Welcome into the House of L podcast. I am Lawrence Holmes. The Bears just lost to the New York Giants. And, you know, there was some sloppiness that went on in this game. It's a little hurtful that they were they lost a game that was clearly in a position for them to win. We'll get to all of it. We are brought to you by, as we are always, by Aurelio's Pizza. You know what's a good way to drown your sorrows after the Bears lose a close game? Aurelio's Pizza. It's the sauce. The sauce will make you feel better. I promise you. You will walk out of there going, you know what? Things aren't that bad. I just had this Aurelio's Pizza. It was delicious. And now I can go on with the rest of my night and get ready for what happens during the week after the Bears lose a game that they probably could have won. Here's what's interesting about it. To me, I'm fascinated by how excited people get when the Bears in particular, any team, but the Bears in particular win games. Because there are so few of them compared to the other sports, people get really excited when the Bears win. And over the last week, the conversation has been about, hey, if Justin Fields has to go along for the ride in this one, then he just has to go along for the ride in this one. And that's it. And maybe he, maybe he, we don't worry about the development of the quarterback over the wins and losses of the team. Jalen Johnson had said it earlier this week. Other people have been saying it and thinking it. What I think is super interesting about the way this game played out was you had the Bears looking like the team that we thought they were going to be outside of Fields. For the last two weeks, you've had people say about Fields, well, I'm, I don't know if he's it. I don't know if that guy has got what it takes and his development be damned if it means that the Bears are going to win a game. This game put the spotlight back on the rest of this shit that the Bears have going on. It put a spotlight back on their lack of depth on the offensive line and, honestly, their lack of good on the offensive line. It put a spotlight on, okay, well, now Khalil Herbert's the guy, right? He's the guy? Well, he's got to make plays. And I saw him doing some stutter stepping at the line of scrimmage, wasn't hitting it as hard. I thought that he played fine. It's just that, you know, <laughs> it it wasn't the best. It, it, it The run game didn't do enough today that they were going to be able to win it. Herbert averaged a little under three yards per carry, or right around four yards per carry. And that's not going to be enough. Even with Justin Fields chipping in with 52 yards, it wasn't going to be enough. The numbers on Fields, 11 of 22, 184 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Passer rating of 74.1 for him. And, hey, you'll take the growth with your quarterback wherever you can find it. And there was some, and I'll get to that in a minute. 
But to finish my point about the rest of this roster, the rest of the roster has so many deficiencies to it that you end up being stuck going, oh, I get why partially this offense can't succeed. I get some of it. Like, I, I get that there's an offensive line problem. They don't have enough good offensive linemen. I get why there are still questions. Like, I look at the, the Bears linebacking core on defense, and I go, you got some you got some problems there. Roquan Smith didn't have the best game, but he wasn't helped a lot by his linebacking brethren. The young defensive backs had a rough day. They, they struggled. They really struggled. There was some good. Jaquan Brisker coming up with that sack was cool. And seeing the Bears adjust from first half to second half, I thought was great. I think that, that there is some competency to Matt Eberflus that we need to acknowledge. The, but, but we also need to acknowledge that his style of coaching, he's one of these guys that's risk-averse. And you saw that play out in the fourth quarter of this game. The way that the Bears went about trying to run their offense with seven minutes left to go, acting as if there was going to be five quarters of football. There wasn't the level of urgency that I'd like to see when you're a team that's trailing by eight points. You need to understand that every you're trying to make it so that you get two possessions if you can. You want to try and strike quick, but in those plays where you're looking at you're you're looking at the play clock get down into single digits when the clock is winding. And have your plays called. Let's get them called, and then go out there and try to execute those plays. Let's let's see that a little bit more. But they did all of that. The the Bears did all of this stuff, and it just felt like they were trying to hang on instead of trying to attack. And their inability to attack may have cost them to the game. It, it wasn't the only thing. It's part of the sample of data that we would use to, to discuss the game overall. That it may have cost them. And I hate seeing that. And because you, you, throughout the game, don't go as hard in other situations, you end up in a situation where you're then asking the quarterback to make magic happen, and he hasn't had a ton of chances to do that. Their inability to recognize in real time what was going on and deal with the bootlegs of Daniel Jones, like that's problematic. As I said earlier, they fixed it at halftime. They were able to fix it, but in real time, they were not. And the defenders, their eye discipline was uh, lacking. It was really lacking. They got, they fell for the banana in the tailpipe over and over and over again. 
And credit to Daniel Jones. I thought that, that he did a masterful job of eye manipulation with the play action. Like his fakes, there's some quarterbacks who just go through the motions when it comes to a play fake. Daniel Jones does not. And Bears defenders bit on it. They were often out of place. There was no contained guy. That contained guy was being bit inside. He was he was falling for it and he was crashing down. And that left the back door wide open. And Daniel Jones strutted into the end zone on one of those plays. And when he wasn't strutting into the end zone, it was he was able to get the ball down the field without really having to throw it that far. And so the Bears end up losing the game. So I thought that this game had a lot more to do with what's wrong with your organization. Like your organization is a little messed up. And it, it, is a, it is devoid of talent. And this past week, we let go of that. We're saying everything else is fine around the quarterback. It's just the quarterback. No, it's not just the quarterback. Is Darno Mooney leaving his feet all the time unnecessarily, whether it's him sliding down and letting the ball hit him in the shoulder or him jumping up to catch a ball that he doesn't have to jump for over the middle? It's, it's all of that. It's, it's the Wesco, the tight end, dropping a ball. It's guys not finishing blocks. It's the defense in the first half of this game. All of that stuff plays a role in how you end up not being successful because you're risk-averse and you didn't win one of those close games. When we come back, I want to talk about what was good with Justin Fields, and we'll also talk about some of the stuff that was bad. We'll do that next. All right, so let's talk about Fields. I felt and I'm looking forward to my second watch, although I am not going to do that immediately after this game because I felt like that was three hours of boring football, and I'm not ready to sit back and watch it again. I'll do it on Monday. I thought that he looked more comfortable, and there was uh, the Fox, I think it was Pam Oliver, who said that he had had a conversation with Matt Eberflus and they talked about him, you know, just, it's all right, man. The, the team's got you. You're, you're going to end up, we're, we got you. Like, just go out there and play free. And I thought that he played a little freer. He looked more like himself. Yes, I still think that he doesn't quite trust everything he sees. I do think that he is still too quick to run out of the pocket instead of running to open windows to throw from. He missed the Darnell Mooney seam route, and it looked like a complete bust by the Giants defensively to let Mooney run free up the middle of the field. It looked like they figured it out, and he, I don't even know if, if when Field sees that play, he's going to be sick. Because even if it's just a quarter of a second and he glances up, there's, there's almost no risk in that throw because Mooney was so wide open and running towards the end zone. The safeties to me, and again, I have to look at the all 22, but the safeties to me looked like they were too far apart to even make a play on the ball. 
just get it over that linebacker's head and you probably have a touchdown. That's stuff that he's got to learn. But he looked more confident. I thought there were some better throws schemed for him this week than there there was last week. And he he was doing a better job of throwing on different platforms. There's that that pass over the middle to Mooney that was was him just stepping in and throwing it. There was the one where he drops down sidearm and he completes a pass around a defender. And then on that screenplay, I thought that he did a nice job of baiting the defense, then giving a throw, and then that that pass ending up going for a big gainer and picking up a first down when they were the down distance. I want to say it was second and 20 or whatever, third and 20, and they're able to pick that up. That's the type of thing that you want to see. You want to see him be able to make plays. He had 52 yards on the ground, and he had a a long run of 16 yards in the game. He picked up first downs with his legs, and until he starts to figure some of this stuff out, that's a viable option for him. It doesn't need to be the first option, and that's what people worry about. I thought the Fox broadcast this week did a really great job of showing us the view, the point of view of the quarterback in their replays. And you saw on a lot of those replays, I gave you the the glaring one where Mooney is open, but you saw on a lot of the replays that the that Fox used that there were plays where they weren't open at all. The guys were being velcro to the defenders. And Fields really had no place to go with the ball. And if you see that too much as a quarterback, it probably is going to spook you a little bit. And it felt like that's what it did to Justin Fields in this one, that he got spooked by it. And he was just like, screw it, I'll run. And in a lot of, there were a lot of effective runs by him in the game with the conversion of first downs. But, hey, just just know that this was the game where if you have been thinking that Justin Fields was holding the rest of this team back, you got a, a glimpse of what his life is like in the pocket as the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. So the Bears are 2-2. Two and two. Not terrible. Not terrible. There are winnable games that are still on the schedule for this team going forward. Unfortunately, this was one of them. So maybe you end up flip-flopping the the two games the last two weeks and you go, oh, well, they should have they lost last week's game and maybe they should have won this game. But this is what this is going to look like for a while until their talent gets above board. And it really is striking like how bad they are all the way around. So next up for them is the Vikings. They're a really interesting team with, I mean, Justin Jefferson went off again. So we'll see what the Bears have. Oh, you know what? I should point this out since they're going to be dealing with Justin Jefferson. I thought Kendall Vildor had a really good game today. You'll probably never hear me say that again. But I thought that he did a nice job out on the island. I thought that he did a nice job in recovering for some of those play-action plays early. So that's good. Jaquan Brisker had a sack in this game. 
Kyler Gordon was getting picked on in this game, so there's still a lot of work for the young defensive backs for the, the Bears to do. But there was at least some good moments, I think, for each of them. And then Eddie Jackson with his third interception of the season, and that means that Dan Bernstein is going to eat BoJack cereal. And I promised that I would eat him with him. I want to be a good partner. I'm not finishing the bowl. I can tell you that much right now. But I'll I'll get some almond milk, and we'll spoon up. And and BoJack cereal is here, is here, because that man has three interceptions. And guess what? When you put up numbers like that, you know where you end up? In the Pro Bowl. So... Eddie might find himself back in the Pro Bowl. Wouldn't that be something? That would be a story for sure. Well, that's our pod. Thanks so much for hanging out. We really appreciate the support. The latest episode of Sports Adjacent is great. If you didn't hear the interview that I did with Kenzie K and Roman, go back and check it out. And we've got some uh, really exciting, I just booked a an interview for next week that I'm really excited about, and I think you'll be excited about it too. Have a wonderful rest of your day. I'll talk to you soon. You can check out the radio show on The Score from 10 until 2, Monday through Friday. We'll have a good time. You should hang out with us. Judging by the numbers, you are, and I appreciate that. Talk to you next time. Peace. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.